Go Loud presents Murder Most Irish. You were dead. I know, sorry, my dad rang me when I parked up outside. He said, Hey, how'd the photo shoot go? I said, The less we talk about the photo shoot, the better. The better. Oh, should we tell people? Yeah, sure. So, Sarah Jane, Colin, and I are going to be in the Sunday Times. Sorry to everybody that I said we're going to be in the independent. That's not what we're going to be in. Um, so we're going to be in the Sunday Times uh, we had a lovely gentleman called Brian who did a photo shoot for us now lads Listen, <laughs> just- I would just like to exonerate Brian <laughs> Brian has done no, no wrong he's done no, no wrong, wrong. no wrong did the best with what he had uh, the three of us Colin was good yeah Colin Colin's was really good but- and Sarah was good he had to keep telling me what to do I don't think I was good he was like, this one is a fucking idiot. Like, I know. I didn't know what to do. So he had to be like, hey, why don't you just act like a human for five seconds? My, my be a fav- human. My favorite thing was when he said to me, so maybe just don't like bunch your hands up like that. Like, what way I am I meant to bunch my hands? Where do Brian, I put my hands? <laughs> unless you give me direction. Unless you physically, like mannequins, unless you take us and physically pose us. Uh, we don't know what we do, but we were on the, so funny, we were on the Rings End roundabout. Yeah, like two Banners. And we were beside this place called Deke's Diner. Let me tell every... Just, you know what? Go. Just go. Go De- there. Listen. D-E-K-E Diner. Over email or text? Over text. He said, we'll go to Deke's Diner. I heard that. I put it into Google Maps and I didn't look up anything else. you know there. In my head, I thought, like Eddie Rockets? Little 1950s type diner. I thought maybe a greasy spoon. Yes, same. Right? But it was like nothing I've no. ever witnessed. Uh, can't explain it. We, I just feel like everybody needs to go there. Uh, we met the man. We met Deke. We met Deke himself. And what Colin a man. And one of the best Deke impressions you'll Colin ever hear in your life. has been doing a Deke impression since we met him. He, the place is something else. Go. We had our photo shoot there and it was actually a lot of fun. And Brian was so nice. And then we had a lovely lady named Lauren interview us yesterday. In the Gibson. In the Gibson. And uh, we think it went okay. But listen... Anything that was said, you know. So I'm just going to tell you now, if there's anything I disagree with that I said, I'll deny it. <laughs> Even if I said it? I'll deny it to the ground. Um, but yeah, we're not sure when it's going to be in the... It's, I think It'll it's going to be, be in the Culture Magazine. It'll be the live show yeah. and it will be in the Culture Magazine in the Sunday Times. Lauren says she'll contact me and let me know the dates and we can let you know if you want to have a look. But yeah, we're going to be in the Sunday Times. Crazy. It's, it's so crazy. So crazy. Thank you to Aiken because I know they arranged all of this. They so must have. thank you very much to Aiken. Um who have been... You can open that. Go ahead. It's okay. I just want to wait until you're finished. Go, no, AS, finish. An ASMR moment. Go, do it. Oh, that sounded so... That was like TV advert. You ready? Crisp sound. Go. Yeah. Thanks very so much. Um, yeah, no, big thanks. Do you know what? I will say this. As... Uh, like, Colin made a really good point today We were when we were out and he said, like, we've actually done really well by ourselves. And we've yeah. like done an awful lot of work yeah. that other podcasts, probably Aiken or whatever, would have to do for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that they're definitely, they're definitely 
trying their best to well, push they are. us. They're so good. Like you can see and they're they're in constant contact with us as well. Like they've yeah. been so kind. So th- I don't know if anybody from Aiken listens to this, but if you do, thank you so much and we appreciate everything. We do. Um, we appreciate it so much. Because we're so tiny. You see the bands that are the groups, bands, podcasts that they promote and you're like, God, we are tiny yeah no teeny tiny that they're pushing out so thank you very much but yeah we'll let you know when it's going to be in the thing I don't want to I will read that article I do not want to see those pictures I'll I'll make sure I block the pictures out I'm going to buy like a couple of uh, editions Sarah's going to buy Colin will buy about 45 copies so what's this about why would he buy that many oh he will I know he'll buy about 45 copies and he'll give one to each of his family members oh okay (laughs) whereas I'll be like listen you can buy it if you want or don't it's up to you Whatever you think. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Do? It was something new, right? Thumbs up. Um, but yeah, I have no other news. I haven't lost on them. Uh, I have loads Has of anything things. anything happened to them? No, nothing's happened, but I want to talk about Vince McMahon in great detail. Okay. And I want, can we record Colin doing his Vince McMahon walk? Oh, please, yeah. And we'll put, put that up. up. We'll put that up. Um, yeah, I don't know if anybody follows wrestling, but I only know about this because Colin is like a wrestling super fan. I only know about it because Emma told me over dinner. Yeah. In fucking it, Emma read, read out the text messages to me in uh, like words I've never heard Emma say. Great detail. In great detail, and I was like, "Oh, d- I tell you what, I don't know if it's because they're Vince McMahon text messages, but I am not turned on." No, it was grotesque. Um, it was absolutely grotesque. So basically, Vince McMahon used to own WWE. He does not own WWE anymore. It's now owned by TKO, who owns TKO, the, who owned the UFC, who bought the WWE. And Vince McMahon left and then he came back and a load of people people left because he came back and then they made it they gave him like a fake job. They were like, You're this you're Why the, did he come blah, blah, blah. back? Because he's a cunt. Because he told everybody he was leaving. Because like, I can't remember initially what the problem was with him. I can't remember. I think it was something along the lines of this type of situation that's currently going on. Okay. So he left to kind of let Stephanie, his daughter, step up. So she stepped up and she's married to Triple H who's like one of the bigger, biggest wrestlers. she's still married wrestlers. to him? Yeah. So the two of them kind of took it over and then McMahon came back and she left. I'm not sure if, no, Triple H, I don't know. But she left then. She was like, I'm not working with him, obviously. And left with her dad. She was like, right, bye. This is like the real kids from Succession. Yeah. He's like Logan Roy. Um, but, so he came back. They gave him a fake title that they give to all the old rich men that own companies that don't, they don't want doing anything in the company anymore. Okay. And then um, a girl came out and basically said Vince McMahon was paying me to be working in this company and basically be his sex slave in uncertain terms. And not only that, he was trafficking her to his friends and colleagues and people within the business. And he was doing this for years and years. And a lot of people knew about it, including his wife. That to me yeah. is insane. And his wife knew about it. And... So he paid, the wife basically made her sign an NDA and paid her off. And she left and McMahon was meant to continue to pay her and he stopped paying her. And Colin was saying to me, this is like a typical thing that he does. Yeah, so he he's supposed to pay three million yeah. and he paid her one million yeah. and then stopped. And stopped because apparently Colin said to me, he does that all the time with like deals he does and stuff or he's meant to pay people off. Then just stops paying them. Why? I don't know. And he's a billionaire. It's not like he can't afford it. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he's like, oh, I can't afford that. You, he's a fucking billionaire. So it seems to be almost like an arrogance thing where he's like, I'm not, paying, I'm not paying anymore. So because of that, she was like, here I go to my lawyer. And her lawyer was like, hey, Vince McMahon, 
has been shitting on women's backs. Shitting on women's backs? He shat on this girl's back. He made her have sex with somebody and he defecated on her back and then made her continue the sex act with the other man while he went and showered his old balls. And then he sent a text message to his lawyer yeah. about it. Yeah. Being, like LOL. And he was, she was sleeping with his, he was making her sleep with his lawyer as well. And then... He was threatening her with her job. Threatening her with her job. And then... And I only found out. So, like, a lot of people, because people are scum, were like, well, why did she agree to do it? So, she was in her very early 20s. Mm -hmm. Like, between the age of 21 and 25. She was so young. Her parents are dead. And she has no financial stability. So, her parents are both dead and she had no financial stability. So the only financial stability she had was her job. And I'd say he probably knew that as oh, well. Oh, fucking 100% she's vulnerable. Yeah, like a vulnerable she's person. She's a vulnerable person. Like imagine being in work and your boss is sending you text messages going, hey, I'm with these 12 guys that work as techs in this department and I'm showing them your naked pictures and they all want to have sex with you. Huh? Yeah, huh? What? Wrestling to me is... <laughs> It's the most, the most insane thing. It is I used to watch wrestling when I was like, I used to watch Sky when I was a kid because you'd come down on a Sunday yeah, was and you'd watch Sky and you'd watch Transformers, wrestling. Yeah. That was like that type of thing. And you'd, mm-hmm. me and Richie would get jacked and then we'd make a wrestling ring and we'd kick the shit out of each other. put the couch cushions on the ground and you'd push you on. We used to bring our duvet down. Yeah. And our duvet be on the ground and that'd be the wrestling ring. <laughs> and then inevitably it would go too far and it would someone go too would far. end yeah. up crying. But, um... Or like real injuries were ha- happened. Anyway, um, and then as I got older, I was like, "This is pageantry." Yeah, and the storylines are so insane. It's soap opera. It's like you know those insane, crazy storylines where it's like the person's dead. No, they're not. They came back from the. That's their illegitimate it's brother. It's like, like yeah, they're very, like I know. I actually do know a few girls that like watch wrestling and love it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's a male sport. Yeah, they love it. And then you've got males who are like, people who watch soap operas or telenovas are idiots. And you're like, sorry. No. Have you, like, yes. followed a storyline like, I, I think on about, wrestling? The thing about wrestling is I don't watch wrestling. It's not for me. But I understand why people watch it. I get it. And I also get it why a lot of young people now our age would have watched it when they were kids and still watch it. It's because it's that like connection to your childhood. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I watched this. And then when the old wrestlers come back, they're like, yeah. So it is that kind of connection to like them being kids. Also, as you said, it's pageantry. Like people love that shit. They love like, they've been doing it since the gladiator times. Like yeah. it's not, it's nothing new. Um, the storylines are insane. B- besides that, fucking hell, the amount of like, it's ran by men. Four men a lot of the time. Colin's going to disagree with this. But it is. It's ram- as we say all the time, there's no ethics in billionaires. No. This is a billion dollar company. There's fucked up shit going on. But like on. there's always been, like even the, the, like Vince McMahon has always done like really fucked up storylines and really fucked up shit. But on top of that, they're like what, the, like they have gone to countries where there's little to no human rights. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. Like it's, it's. Vince yeah. McMahon would sell his mother for a potato chip. Yeah, no, Like honestly. I have no like and also my beef with Vince McMahon lies in the fact that I think it's Jimmy Jimmy Snooker Jimmy Fly Snooker whatever his name is anyway oh, he was murdered he murdered his girlfriend and Vince covered up right? Vince covered it up went to the police and paid them off and got it covered up and everybody fucking knew it was happening and everybody just let he battered that girl to death like he was about 14 he times leave the country didn't he or something he was, no no he didn't leave the country oh he stayed where he was he was about 14 times her size and 
battered the poor girl to death in a hotel room. And McMahon walked in, gave that fucking police, the police a bunch of money. And Jimmy Snooker walked out. And then there's like, what's that guy that like, he, the, the jumping from a height and died? Hart. Own Hart. His entire family wrestle. And yeah. his wife was like, like the WWE killed him. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that. And then, then his family were like, no. Bro, like, it's sports. There's Yeah, but they're you in know what sports. I mean? And then there's Chris Benoit. I know there's Chris Benoit, but it is like, how many of those like American football players go fucking apeshit? Well, like, and yeah, do really those, fucking like, weird that's the thing it's like yeah. it's like any sort of contact sport there's that and because they make so much money for the owners they'll just they'll push it as far as they can go with regards like safety sexual lawsuits everything but yeah, it's dark man those text messages I was like you are 80 yeah what's I happening? like the text messages that when they got very professional yeah. Ori your pictures Ori your pictures Ori what we spoke about Ori This is a text message it's a te- text Vince. You don't I, need you to can see what I wrote to you above You can just reply to it Slide it and reply Ori He didn't know how to do that And I just always say The funniest part of me is I know that man had the text size like 40 <laughs> cock yeah. Like you know that he did It was huge yeah. The one you put on like your yeah. grandfather's phone My old manager used to do that He'd like his font was like that size He's, he's in there shouting He's now. in there shouting What? He's going to be so he's, mad at he's this. Getting he's getting up to come in and tell us why we're wrong about wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love if we just inserted like a little part here and be like, hey, it's Colin. These two cunts <laughs> no fuck that. all about anything. So I'm going to tell you what's going on here. Um, but yeah, fair play to Colin. Like Colin doesn't go, you know, he doesn't try to justify it. He knows it's like, man, is a scumbag. Like, yeah, no, he doesn't. Do you know what, I mean? what did he say in the car yesterday? Uh, he said uh, about Steve Tyler. Steve Tyler. He can listen to everything before rocks. <laughs> it's okay he didn't do the stuff till after rocks everything after rocks is a no-go um, but yeah like Colin sent me the messages about it he was the first person that was like did you see this um, but like a lot of wrestling fans are online being like well she a, a lot of them and, and, and I'm like bro let that I happen. went down a dark yeah. rabbit hole and read most it. of them I'd say most of them are like oh, she, you know. I'm like yeah, okay I'll tell you what let someone that you know and love get into that situation and then come back and tell me yeah, yeah. that this was okay. And let someone that you know and love who is in their very early 20s yeah. has no financial stability. An orphan! Hasn't got her mother or father and then be like, oh, do you know what? It's her fault. Also, someone, my favourite Reddit post was the text. Someone put up all the text messages on Reddit. Yeah. And then the first comment on it was like, what a bad day to have eyes. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> what a bad day to have vision. Like... And I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I was like, I have to read these now. Everybody that's listening to this, you should go read the text. You shouldn't. You should just because you'd be like, this is a, this is an octogenarian. Yeah, this is if an, an octogenarian. octogenarian is sending these text messages. It doesn't get any better for men. I'm telling you it now. Just it just doesn't get any better. They don't get older. They don't get no, wiser. No, they don't. They're just stupid consistently. Forever. Forever. And then they, they do these things and think I'm going to get away with this. And there are men that are doing this that are not Vince McMahon and are not rich. Or famous. Call this episode Sexting an Oxygenarian. Sexting an Oxygenarian. Like, they're not rich. They're not famous. They live in Crumlin. Uh, and they're just sending text messages like this to women. Like, you know that guy me and you like on Instagram? Zach, is that his name? Oh, the guy's there. Rat. Right. Right. Um, those men exist. They fully exist. Like, 
Uh, sexting and octogenarian. I just have to write this down. That's my first request. We'll see how we get on through the episode, but that's the first one. That's okay, that's the mind. first one that's up. We're, we're, we're writing that down. Um, yeah, I love Zach. He's so funny. Yeah, what's his name? Because he's so funny. Italian back is his name. Italian back on Instagram. He's so funny. He does this character of this fucking filthy old man looking for a sugar baby. A sugar baby. I'm looking for a sugar baby. <laughs> <laughs> They and are grotesque. So grotesque. And honestly, I cannot look away. It's like a car I crash. I cannot stop. And he breaks every now and then. And whenever he breaks character, he whenever can't. he comes back, it's when he comes he's back, like, sorry, the B team man came. <laughs> my hair is like, sorry, the Wi-Fi fell. <laughs> he kills me. But that, like, I think what everybody is so repulsed by is that you know that they're out there, like, and they Fuck exist. 100%. And they're on, like, dating apps and stuff, trying to get, I like... I once went... I had a man. I had a man who was retiring from a company I worked for. Right. He had only ever worked there. Yeah. He had never worked anywhere else. He was a lifer. He started the job when he was 15. Oh my God. He got to 65, obviously. And he was like... And it was like time to retire. And as like, because he had been in the company for 50 years, and he'd never worked anywhere else. The company made like a big deal out of it. Okay. And I had to like chaperone him and bring him to like this the party event or something. Was it okay? But we had to travel to it. So okay. We had to like get a hotel and da da da. We were in this lobby of this hotel. This man is sixty five years of age. Okay. I am thirty years of age. Right. When this happened, and he was like, "Do you ever watch that show, Pickers?" You know that show, Pickers, The Pickers? They go around America and they pick Oh, up. it's like salvaging. Yes. Yes. You know the, the woman who is on the phone in that show is no. like really heavily tattooed? I think I haven't ever seen She's like quite episode. alternative looking. Okay. He, Ellen, no, we were looking at paintings in this beautiful hotel we were staying in. And I was like, God, that, that, that is it's, it's such a beautiful painting. And he's like, do you ever watch that show, Pickers? And I was like, oh. Yeah, because the show had the hotel had some like antiques, obviously. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And um, I was like, actually, the like skinny guy in Pickers, our friend sometimes says that he reminds him of my husband Graham. Yeah. And he was like, or he was like, you remind me of the girl in that show. Is this because you have tattoos? And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, I love, I love a girl with tattoos. No. I love, I love. No. A- I love a, like, that. girl who's into the, like, you know, what did he say? It was, like, motorbiking and stuff. And I was, like... I'm not. <sighs> and he was, like, you know, bastard. I find it really attractive. It really, like, does it for me. It does it for me. He says to me, I was sitting there. The only thing like, doing it for you is Viagra, I was sir. Like, and I was, like, we're in a room next to each other. And I am by myself until tomorrow with you. I was like, ah, oh, thanks for... Like, I'd have been like, I have a pain in my stomach, I have to go to bed now. Like, I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, we have to go now to do this other thing, thankfully. But I was like, what do you... And my point of telling you that is, they don't get any better. No, they don't get any better. They don't, because for some reason, that part of their brain never No, never and he was the sweetest. Yes, they're all the same. They're all the same, I said it. They're all the same. She said it. Um, but yeah, it is, it's quite difficult to watch. Like, I, I read... Everybody, if you get a chance, there's a book that I recently read. It's, Emma, it's don't tell them about this book. I'm not going to, but I'm only going to say this because of my thought process with this whole older man thing. Uh, I read a book and it's called uh, Breakdown. It's by an Irish author called Kathy Sweeney. Look, it's signed. It is not. Yeah, she signed it. 
So by an Irish Aww. author named Kathy Sweeney, and it's about an Irish suburban mother with two children, and she's married. And she basically decides one day to leave her family out of the blue and just go. And I'm going to bring back. this home and like, get Graham to read it. And um, I was reading it and I was like, the thing about the character in the book is she's not exactly likable. She's not. Like she's a, she's been through a lot. There's a lot of shit going on in her life. Regardless of her leaving, she's got traits that make her very human. And what I appreciated about this book is that a lot of authors, when they're writing women, have to make them perfect and they can't do anything wrong because you've got to like everything about them in order to like them as a person. Yeah. They can't do any bad things. But I've read so many novels of men who've done this exact same thing and they're written in a way where you're meant to fully understand that they're they're captured and their and their 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 prime has been taken from them and they're you know this sh- this should never have happened they should have been like that that's how men are treated in these novels that, you know that movie marriage story literally just about to say that you know that line where he's like he goes uh, i was 20 and yeah. i was in my prime yeah. and i could have fucked everybody yeah. but i didn't yeah. but, but i was 20 and i wanted to like and she's meant to be like oh thanks and the amount of people who were not I just expected outrage yeah, on the internet. Because I was outraged when that line came out. No ball back. Like. Because I know why you said that. Outraged. Yeah. Like, I was like, what the fuck is that line? Mm. Because she was 22. Yeah, but that's. But that's Motherfucker. That's how a lot of men are written in novels. Like, there's a mo- uh, book called White Teeth by an author called Zadie Smith. Everybody knows who Zadie Smith is. Um, but the main character in that book is like a 60 something year old professor. And it was one of the first books that I read where the male character, when he was doing something wrong, there wasn't an excuse for his behavior. He was just a piece of shit. Okay. And regardless of what he said, he was still just a piece of shit. But that doesn't happen a lot with male characters in novels. Um, a lot of the time it's like, well, he cheated on her because she's always nagging him. Yes. And he, he's a writer and he, oh, he had kids and he just feels trapped. Well, then why'd you have kids? Whereas, Kathy Sweeney doesn't make excuses for her character and I liked her more for it because I was like this is a real person as opposed to the women that are written a lot of time in no- novels who are perfect in every way yeah. but they have this one flaw but it's okay that they have this one flaw whereas she was like no this is she's not actually a very nice person mm. um, and we're okay with that because we're human so I, that's what I really present. It's the same vein of what we were talking about. Older men, their mindset's never changing. Never. Older male writers, when they write men, they write themselves. Yeah. They just write themselves. Like it's, this is me, but in a, these male writers that are like 45 and have two kids and a wife and live in Vermont with their two kids and wives. And they write these books where it's like, he was trapped. This woman's breasts were now sagging and he kept looking at the 24 year olds in his class. Like his, her mommy milkers were no longer milking. But like, that's the thing. It, sometimes when I read novels, especially written by men, I'm like, oh, you're writing yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell that you're writing yourself. So in the same vein, I really did appreciate that. But pick up Breakdown if you can. It's a fantastic novel. She has a bunch of short stories called Modern Times as well, which are great. Um, but yeah. That's my book recommendation. Book recommendation. But in the same vein of what you were Emma talking McCormick. about, the like older man being, they never change. Like this mindset continues. Yeah, yeah. Like I just feel like if you were the age of 50 and you were looking at 20 year olds salaciously, I think you need to go to therapy. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like I am so not attracted to anyone below like my age like if I see a 25 I've said this before a 25 year old to me is honest to God in my brain a child 
I wouldn't sniff a 25 year old. That is a kid to me. I have no interest. I have nothing to say to you. Our brain development is so different. Yeah. You are in a totally different part of your life. I am in a totally different part of your life. How you view and see things is so vastly different to how I view and see things. My experiences are so different. I've had all this maturity and you are 25. Like, you feel that way about Paul Meskell? Nope. I called him my child bride and he is my child bride. <laughs> I just need to let you all know when I get on Raya, Paul Meskell. Over for you bitches. coming for you. He's not going to run away from me. He's going to run to me. <laughs> In that park, he'll say, come run with me. I'll be like, listen, Paul, I can't run. I'm supposed to sit in that cafe and drink hot chocolate. But you wear those little shorts and run around there in circles. Yes. Um, I'm in love with Paul Mescal. I'm delighted for you. I'm in love with who, I'm in love with who I think Paul Mescal is. Well, wait to tell you something. He's a big guy, big mucker guy heading them though. You made me watch Normal People. Sarah watched Normal People. She went through it. Did I go through it? <laughs> did you have a little cry? Did, did you? I go <laughs> through it? <laughs> Oh, she went through it. Sweet mother of God. I've never wanted to bang two, two people's heads. heads together. Sarah, I... More of my life. Like, I would stop. I just hit the space bar and go, what? I just text you. I just pause it. Just... And because I was watching Pause. it on my phone on ORT player, I just come out of it, text you, and then go back into it and be like, right. And I'm going to be honest. I couldn't stand any of their friends. Except one girl. One girl. The English girl. Yeah. Liked and her. And his Northern Irish friends. Oh, yeah. Everyone else... But I think that was the point because I think end, it was. Yeah, they yeah. only had them remaining. That was it. Like because that blonde one that lived with her, I couldn't. I was like, the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Why are you trying to have a threesome? Yeah. With she's sitting in the sitting room with him. That's her new boyfriend. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like I have a threesome with you. Oh, get out, you fucking trainer wanker. No like, offense, trainers. That was very rude. Sorry, trainer wankers. I don't mean to offend you. Um, <laughs> I yeah, man. But the bit where she was like, "Will you hit me in the face?" I was like, sorry, excuse me. That came out when I tell you that came out. And then field. he just recoiled. He was like, in like no. uh, And he covered his Mickey with the pillow. He yeah. said, no, I'm going to be doing that anytime <laughs> soon. I'm going out to play the guy now. That's what he said. His, like, his penis went inside of him. Inside of him. He was like, sorry, what? Excuse me? Or Marianne. Marianne. I'm so ugly. Oh, oh my Marianne. God, so ugly. I've never Note. been a... You know that scene in Barbie where they go no to the director? Yeah. You Literally. Him, like no to the director. Don't use Margot Robbie if you're trying to put yeah, across the point. If you're trying to put a point that someone's, someone's not beautiful. Don't use Daisy. No. What's her name? Daisy, Daisy Edgar Jones. Jones. If you're trying to like. She's so gorgeous. I'm so skin. ugly. Oh, Connell. Oh. Whatever that girl is doing skincare wise. Oh, she's beautiful. She oh. is. Here she is. An English rose. Beautiful. She's like Kate Winslet, English rose type levels of beauty. Like she's just so gorgeous. Like, you know who's really Kate Winslet is so beautiful. She is. Holy fuck. People were calling her fat yeah. in the 90s. Anyway, we won't get onto that because that's a whole other rabbit yeah, hole. Uh, we won't, we won't, a whole like, other rabbit hole to go down. We're minutes in. You got any housekeeping? Housekeeping. Yeah. Edit, you don't have to wait. Like, no, I do. Put in. <laughs> You're ready for this? Um, I do. So we, I did an interview with Phoenix FM uh, last week or the week before with a lovely, lovely person whose name is Leslie. And after the interview, Leslie sent me a voicemail and it is honestly one of the best things ever. So Leslie sent me a voicemail from her grandmother um, asking, was I the girl from the murder podcast that she listens to? And Leslie was like, what murder podcast do you listen to? She was like, oh, the two girls talk about murder. And Leslie was like, murder was Irish. She was like, yeah. Leslie's grandfather listens to our podcast and his name is Frank. 
And we just love him. And I love Frank so much. And I just wanted to say hello to Frank. We wanted to say yeah, hello no, to honestly, Frank. Yeah, no, honestly, Frank... Frank is a legend. Frank is 79 years old. I hope he doesn't mind me telling his age, but Leslie said it was okay. Um, And he listens to our podcast and his... I believe her grandmother might listen to it too. And I think her mum does as well. What so the, her whole fa- Yeah, because her whole family were listening. Obviously, they listen to her show because like they want to hear, hear Leslie. And uh, I think they all listen to us. So just to say hi to Frank. Hi to Frank! I love Frank. I know Frank, I'm sorry for talking shit about men before this and older men. Frank, I know you're not like but we love you Frank and thank you so much for listening Frank we know you're not like we that know you're not 65 like that, Frank. year old man that no. accosted me in Casa Martin <laughs> don't give us that I'm such a name there um, so oh is that right? yeah. yeah. So Frank, thank you so much uh, for listening and you're the best I just wanted to say hi to you Yeah Frank. no we really really thank you so much for listening so and it brightened our oh, day Oh honest to god it made my day I was so happy um, Also uh, thank you Leslie's f- grandmother oh. um <laughs> We get away with what we say because we're not on the radio. We're not on the radio, Leslie's grandmother. And we'll never be on the radio. Well, we never will. They'd say, get off that immediately. Um, But just also to say thank you to everybody who's continuing to buy tickets for the live show in February, February 28th in the Liberty Hall. Theatre. Theatre Hall. Hall, that place. Uh, the One of the keys. Up the union. Up the union. Up the workers. Um, So thank you to everybody who's continuing to buy tickets and we will see you all there. And I'm very excited. Yeah, it's actually really soon. So soon. Have so you, have soon. you done your story yet? No, I haven't. What's Colin doing for the intro? I don't know, actually. Oh, you told me about the middle bit. Then, yeah. Um, so he Colin will have all that sorted anyway. Don't worry. But yeah. Hi, Frank. We love you. Hi, Frank. We do love you. <laughs> anyway, Colin's going to put an ad in here now for the live show because <laughs> we're going to do our story now. Sarah's going to do her story. I'd like you all to be prepared. Would you like a cup of tea before I start the story? Or yeah. Are you, okay? you want a cup of? I have a cup of tea. <laughs> Trigger trigger warning. I apologize. Coming February 28th to Liberty Hall, Dublin, Aiken Promotion presents a true crime podcasting experience like no other. It's Murder Most Irish Live! <laughs> Join Emma, Sarah Jane, and Colin for a show that's crude. That's the strangest thing you've ever eaten. She's like, my ma's shit. Yeah! <laughs> Lewd. Wax or shave. Shave. Hold on. Oh. Your arsehole. Rude. That's my son. That's my son and he didn't know you were a girl. And quite possibly nude. You're plowing those fields, baby, and I'm driving the Rolls Royce. Like, that's what's happening. And then you're plowing me a night notice. (laughs) Murder Most Irish live at Liberty Hall. Tickets available from (laughs) Ticketmaster.ie. Good night, everybody! Uh, right, you ready? Yes, go. Today, I'm telling the story of Nora Wall. Yep. Do you know the story? I do. Oh, well then, we won't bother doing it. Because <laughs> I know it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> episode over, because I know it. End of the episode. <laughs> go on. Okay. Nora Wall. Nora Wall was born in 1948 into a large family in the Nyer Valley area of County Washford. She joined the Sisters of Mercy in 1967, taking the name Sister Dominic. Dominique? Dominic. Dominica, Nika, Nika. Dominic. Daughter of a farmer born in Clonmel, she underwent training and teaching um, and social work, but it's predominantly social work is what she trained in. Mm-hmm. Um, she was part of a new generation of teaching and um, in the 1970s, there was a Kennedy report. Did you ever hear about this mm-hmm. report? 
Kennedy Report was released in 1970. It was a dramatic and unbashed report on how pearly institutions such as like workhouses, what are the industrial the homes, the laundries, in particular what we call the industrial homes, which is where essentially children from like poor families or like essentially true children or orphans ended up. Um, so it was a dramatic and unbashed report on how pearly these institutions were run and the level of mistreatment that was being reported. This report recommended specially trained individuals being in charge of industrial reform skills and Nora was part of that wave of new educated social workers and teachers and her first childcare course was completed in St. Joseph's in Kilkenny. She's taught God lover. St. Joseph's in Kilkenny is notorious. It's a notorious school and home to one of Ireland's most notorious paedophiles, David Murray. Imagine having no family. Imagine having your family gone, taken, stripped from you. And you're a child and you're put into a school, a school and the first thing you experience is just abuse. Abuse. Like massive. Abuse. Massive abuse. And in that um, Kennedy report, a lot of it was based on St. Joseph's. Jesus Christ. Um... She left her training from St. Joseph's in Kilkenny with like glowing references. She joined St. Michael's Residential Childcare in Capaquin, County Waterford in 1975. She was only 30 years of age at the time and, um, was the man, like was hired as the manager of the facility. Like, so a really, in terms of her age and in terms of the fact that she was female, like, a really prominent yeah. position to be put in. She managed 15 to 20 staff. Um, she managed the budgets and she recruited and trained all of the staff for the facility. That's crazy. She also, so like the thing about these uh, reform homes or um, industrial schools, you live in them. Mm-hmm. So she lived in the school. On the she grounds. lived on the grounds. It had been St. Michael's Industrial School, but it was phased out at the end of the 1970s to two family style houses. They were built to house the children in the state's care there. She became the manager of the new St. Michael's in 1978. The children at St. Michael's came from the nearby counties of Waterford and Tipperary. They were from troubled families who could not cope and there were often several members of one family in the same home at the time. She continued to run these facilities until the nineteen ninety until nineteen ninety when she left the role and school. Now she left amid rumors that she was not acting appropriately. However, these are just rumors and there is no evidence to support this. Okay. She also left the order of nuns in nineteen ninety four. So she stopped being a nun in nineteen ninety four and uh stopped being Sister Dominic and just became Nora Nora, Nora yeah um, she went to Romania at that time and she worked uh, with the Belfast action team and again she was seen as like a real team player someone who was well liked she received glowing reviews as someone who was an excellent educator some of the rumours from like 1990 they don't appear to have followed her on in her career but was that she was having relationships with men okay if they're true or not who cares but who cares she was having consensual relationships with men who gives a fuck like she then went on to work at a hostel for women and children and after this she then went on to work for a hostel for St. Vincent de Paul the hostel for St. Vincent de Paul was like a men's hospital and everything was going great and there was no issues until October of 1996 when she was arrested 
She was arrested in Dublin and she was questioned about allegations made by a girl called Regina Walsh, whom she had cared for from the age of eight onwards in um, St. Michael's Residential Centre. 18-year-old Regina Walsh had came forward to the Gardaí and alleged that Nora, or St. Sister Dominic as she knew her, had molested her and played a serious role in allowing sexual assault against her on more than one occasion. Nora had cared for Regina from the age of eight. She alleged that Nora had molested her between the ages of eight and twelve, and she said at a time she developed a bedwetting issue and that Nora had allowed her to sleep in her bed with her and that during this period she molested her. She also alleged that a man named Paul or Pablo McCabe had raped her. She claimed that Wall had sexually abused her on a numbers of, and on numerous occasions. She said she was not allowed to wear underwear and she'd been forced to kiss and cuddle Nora. Regina also alleged that she was raped by Paul McCabe when she was 10 years old. She described an attack in detail, saying Nora had come into her room wearing a nightdress. Paul McCabe had then followed behind her. She said Nora held her by the ankles while Paul had pulled her nightdress over her face and then proceeded to rape her. She said she didn't know at the time it was rape and she said Nora had stayed in the room and held her feet for the entire time of this incident. She alleged a second attack happened on the night of her 12th birthday and this attack was absolutely identical. Okay. So the exact same thing happened twice, two years apart. Okay. Another girl who was a resident at the home, she stated that she witnessed the rapes and supported Regina's allegations. She said that she walked in on them and that she was like, what's going on here? And she said that they didn't stop. Okay. She said also that she had to deal with like the aftermath. So she cleaned up um, Regina, that Regina was bleeding profusely, that she helped her change her bed sheets, that she cleaned her room with her, and that she stayed up all night with her, kind of like consoling Consoling her. her. Yeah. And she said again that the allegations were like the exact same. She like word for word, verbatim, verbatim. Was like, this is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So Nora Wall maintained her innocence and was released without charge. She finished uh, her contract with St. Vincent de Paul. So her contract with St. Vincent de Paul was like 11 months. Okay. And pretty much at the end of the 11 months is when she's arrested. Okay. She's arrested and released without charge. She goes on to work for St. Patrick's Dunn's Hospital, it's called. Mm-hmm. Which she's then forced to leave because the guardie went to the hospital and informed them that she should not be working with people. Even okay. though she has not been charged. They were just like precautionary. They were like precautionary being like, you okay. can't have her here. Um, In May 1997, she is then formally charged. Nora denied everything during the police interviews and refused to sign any notes of the interviews. She stated that they were not accurate and she stated they did not contain the statements in relation to the threats that the guards had made to her. So she said that while she was being interviewed and while the investigation was going on, that the guards would like threaten her to be like, we know you did this, you'll never work again. And they, before she was formally charged, they're going to her place of work to be like, you can't employ this person. person. Paul is arrested on the same day in October 1996. Garda who interviewed, um, him at the trial they admitted to making no notes so he's interviewed there are no notes of his interview he responded to questions but he was not medicated at the time 
And he had tried to tell the Guardian at the time about the story of St. Augustine. Okay. So while they were asking him about this apparent terrible rape that he'd done, he just kept going on about St. Augustine. He was seen by a doctor after an hour in uh, police custody, although that's, we don't know if that time frame is correct. That's what the police say, but there's no record. (laughs) And he told the doctor that he had not taken his medication in quite some time. Okay. His statement he made at first to the guardie that he had confessed to Sister Dominique on the night of the girls of the 12th birthday, that he occasionally slept at the home in Cabaquin, and that he had gotten to know the girl through this time. He said she was nice and he found her attractive. He said on the night of her 12th birthday, he had been in town drinking, and when he came back, he went to her room and had taken all of his clothes, and she had taken off all of her clothes consensually. Paul insisted to Gardie that he did not hold anyone down. Other than that, everything else matched verbatim Regina's statement. Okay. The alleged rape on the 8th of January 1990 was the only charge in which McCabe was questioned. Like Nora Wall, he was never questioned on the second allegation. In fact, neither McCabe's nor Wall's defence team received notification of the second charge until May, until 28th of May 1990, Six days before it went to court. Okay. And two years after After. they were charged. Yeah. So as the guards started to investigate, they find out that it's impossible for McCabe to have been in Capaquin on the 8th of January because he was living in a Dublin hospital from January 7th and his movements were fully recorded until he was committed to Mountjoy Prison on the 10th of January. The guardie then returned to Regina Walsh and put it to her that McCabe could not have been in Capaquin on the 8th of January. On the 5th of November 1996, Regina corrected her statement to state that it was not the day of her 12th birthday, but the celebration of her 12th birthday, which is some day, some days before or after that date. She alleged that the assault now took place at a different date. And at the trial, witnesses were produced to show that there was no man present at the birthday party. The witness also contradicted Regina and she said the assaults took place months apart, not years years apart. But she also said again verbatim, like they were the, there was no difference in their statements. Their statements matched fully. Formal charges were both placed on Paul and Nora in May of 1997. They each faced two charges of rape and Nora Wall was also charged with indecent assault. The court case was due to start in 1998. Okay. And Regina leaves the country. She said she was afraid and fearful for her safety. And she stayed in the UK for one year until the guardie said that they would do anything to make her come back. And that they would completely be with her for the entirety of the trial. Okay. Uh... Just as Paul Carney heard the case in June 1999, the state's case was that Wall and McCabe were guilty of two cases of rape, one when Regina was 10 years old and another when she was 12 years old. Regina Walsh took to the stand. She said Nora had brought her presents and brought her on holidays to make up for the abuse and the rape that she suffered. She described her molestation and incidents of rapes. She stated she slept in Nora's room and she was able to describe 
Nora's room in great detail. Now, what's important to know is that this court case is in camera. So she's completely anonymous. Yes. And she's reported as an anonymous. She said she slept in Nora's room and she was able to describe in great detail her room. She said she delayed reporting the abuse because she was so traumatised by the abuse that she had blocked it from her memory. She only approached the guardie as she had started to have flashbacks and came to realisation about what had happened to her. Regina described Paul as Sister Dominique's friend. She said he stayed over on and off throughout her time in the home. She said she saw that the uh, she saw the adults having sex also. So the witness again said the exact same exact same thing. She said she helped Regina after the rapes, helping her clean up and make her bed, staying up to console her late at night. She said she witnessed the special treatment. She said she witnessed her sleeping in she Nora's room. She saw it all. Both Paul and Nora took to the stands during the seven day trial and both vehemently denied the allegations, saying this never occurred. Nora said she never had any inappropriate relationships with any of the children in her care, saying sometimes the small children would be allowed to sleep with her after she gave them a bottle at night. She said the girl accusing her was a known liar, and that she had falsely accused a number of individuals, including her own father of rape. Nora sat quietly and patiently throughout court, she didn't say much. She didn't. She never spoke to the media. Whenever she left the court, she'd leave at the back. Paul was not the same. He was really disruptive in court. He had to be held in custody throughout the trial as the judge was fearful he would drink during the lunch break and be unable to give a statement. He had moments of outbursts in the courtroom. He fidgeted. Really, it was like really visually disruptive mm-hmm. throughout the entire proceedings. When he did speak, he, like Nora, denied the allegations. He said it was nonsense and it was made up. Um, and he said it was completely made up by Regina and he said it was hearsay. He said the statements made to the guardie was made when he was unmedicated at the trial. A guardie, at the trial, a guardie claimed he did not know that McCabe suffered from schizophrenia, even though they had to get a doctor. And he said he didn't see what difference it would make knowing whether he did it or not. Of course, it makes a difference. And especially someone that's heavily unmedicated. And also, like, severely alcoholic. Like, like he more than likely was coming out of... But it's the same thing with the Grange-Gorman murders. How a mentally ill man fully admitted that he murdered those women and then he just didn't because he was really unstable and unmedicated. Mm-hmm. Of course it fucking matters. Paul struggled on the stand and he mixed up his victim with another resident from the home. He had outbursts and his defence team also put forward that he could not have been in the home on the nights of these alleged rapes because, as mentioned above, it would have been impossible for McCabe to have been in Capoquin on the 8th of January. He was living in a Dublin hostel from the 7th and his movements were fully recorded until he was committed to Mountjoy Prison on the 10th of January. So, the trial was very short. It was seven days. There is no physical evidence in this case. It is all, yeah, it's all circumstantial. circumstantial. Yeah. So after seven days, Justice Carney strongly warned the jury on uncooperated evidence. And he essentially set the jury off to like 
make their verdict. Give their decision. June 12th, 1999, after just four hours, the jury came back and with a majority of 10 to 2, the verdict was called. The 51-year-old former sister of Mercy was found guilty of raping a 10-year-old girl and molestation. Paul McCabe was also found guilty of rape. After the conviction, the media used vicious language about Wall. In particular, she was called a vile nun, a pervert nun, the mercy devil. I was raped by the Antichrist was another headline. Like the headlines for this are insane. Oh, they ran with it. And nothing is mentioned about Paul. Like Paul is like very rarely mentioned in these um articles. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> on the 11th of July 1999 the Sunday World carried a front page exclusive by crime correspondent Paul Williams Paulo entitled Rape Nuns Abuse Pact with Smith it claimed that evil nun Nora Wall convicted for helping a ra- helping to rape a 10 year old child also secretly provided children to a sick paedophile priest Father Brendan Smith Nora Wall became the first woman to be charged and convicted with rape in the history of the state. It's crazy. After the verdict, the Sisters of Mercy gave a statement saying that they had removed Nora, that they were sickened and horrified. They had said that they had investigated Nora and handed all the information over gathered during the investigation to the police, but they had found no evidence of misconduct. However, they were still disgusted and sickened by the case. On the 17th of June, a week after the rape conviction, so this is before they're gone to court to be sentenced, Regina Walsh gave an interview to journalist Barry O'Keefe of the Star newspaper, claiming that she had been raped by, and I quote, a black man in Leicester Square in London. This was news to Nora Wall's defence team. Moreover, the star published the names of Walsh and her witness, Patricia, for the first time. So up until this point, no nobody one, had an idea. No one knew their names. No one. It was not public knowledge yeah. that it was Regina. Regina and Patricia. A Kilkenny businessman read the newspaper and recognized Patricia Phelan as a woman who had made a false rape allegation against him. And the defence came into possession of this evidence. On the 23rd of July, Wall and McCabe came before Judge Paul Kearney for sentencing in the Central Criminal Court. Their counsel, Hugh Harnett, sought an adjournment or a stay on any sentence. He told the court that there appeared to have been a grave breach of non-disclosure of evidence by the state. The state had not disclosed that Walsh alleged she had been raped in London. Neither had they disclosed that Phelan's allegation against an unnamed man had been dismissed in judicial review proceedings. However, Mr. Dennis Von Buckley for the state said that the Gardaí were not aware of these matters during their investigations and they rejected the claim that there had not been full disclosure of evidence, saying that these issues were not relevant to the case. Mm -hmm. Passing the sentence, the judge judge spoke of Wall's betrayal of the young girl. He said, and I quote, This was a gang rape. 
He said, the leader of the gang was the only person in the world who was charged with the protection of Regina Walsh. And I don't think I need to say any more than that. He sentenced her to life imprisonment and McCabe to 12 years. The hearing was not held in camera and he said that Walsh and Phelan had forfeited their anonymity. Thank you. True newspaper interviews published since the trial. Nora Wall, as said, was the first woman convicted of a rape of the history of the state and now became the first person to receive a life sentence for the crime. That's fucking crazy. That's fucking misogyny is what it is. Holy shit. Because the guy I mentioned above, who was going around raping hundreds Hundreds of of children, children. got ten fucking years in 1970. Literally. It's insane that that they didn't look at that and go, maybe we should... Maybe we should consider the fact that we have a man that literally was raping every child that came across his fucking path. A year later, the swimming inquiry came out. You know, oh, what's his name? You covered the case. No, I didn't. We talked about it. I can't think of his can't name. Exactly. It'll come. That fucking scumbag. But he, that, there was like a full-blown inquiry into the treatment of children who were in these swimming camps. Yes. There was never an inquiry of what that guy was what he was doing and yet this woman has just gotten a life sentence yeah the director of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre Olive Braden welcomed the imposition of a maximum sentence and said it would ensure that Nora Wall would be monitored for the rest of her life to prevent a reoccurrence Four days later, on the 27th of July, 1999, the Court of Criminal Appeal quashed the conviction of the two accused. Both were granted bail and it was stated that the question of a possible retrial would be considered subsequently. The Director of Public Prosecutions applied to have the previous week's conviction set aside, telling the court that one witness had been called to give evidence at the trial inadvertently despite a decision of the DPP that the person should not be called. So you know that bit where the guards are like, we didn't know. Yeah. They fucking did. On Saturday, 31st of July, the Irish Times published an article by the writer and journalist Kevin Myers. He originally wrote a column on Monday, the 26th of July to be published on Wednesday, but it was withdrawn because what he sought to achieve was already happening. The release of two accused. He described the trial as a witch hunt. Four months later, the Director of Public Prosecution, Mr. James Hamilton, decided to seek a retrial in the case. In mid-November, he released to the media a detailed six-page report dated the 1st of October, addressed to the Attorney General, Michael McDowell, which gave an account of the mistakes and failures and omissions in the offices of the DPP and the Chief State Solicitor, However, the Attorney General declared that neither Wall nor McCabe would receive an apology, saying that the issue of an apology did not arise because the conviction had been quashed. That, I feel like that's not how that should work. No. At the Court of Criminal Appeal on the 22nd of November 1999, the DPP accepted fully the former nun and McCabe are entitled to be presumed innocent of all charges brought against them. Dennis Vaughan Buckley, SC for the DPP, read a prepared statement. He said the DPP considered the transcript of evidence that was given at the trial together with the additional information obtained by the Gardaí and had concluded that it would not be proper to proceed 
with his application for a retrial. He added, I am instructed to emphasise the director's concerns to defend the the propriety of the decision to charge the two accused does not in any sense detract from the fact, which is fully and unbegrudgingly accepted by the director, that the two accused are entitled to be presumed innocent of all charges which were brought, not only those of which they were acquitted by the jury, but also of those who were set aside and which are not to be the subject of further proceedings. Presiding Judge Justice Murray sitting with Mr. Justice Smith and Mr. Justice Kelly said the court would confirm that setting aside the convictions with no order for a retrial. The judge confirmed that neither Noah or Paul would have to pay the cost of their lengthy proceedings, which came to a total of £60,000. That's a lot of fucking money. At the end of the court hearing, Noah pushed her way through the throng of reporters and family to catch up with Buckley, the prosecuting barrister. She extended her hand to the man who had presented the state's flawed case against her and said, thank you for what had just happened in court. According to the Irish independent journalist Aideen Sheehan, Buckley shook hands, looking taken aback at the unexpected gesture, so rare coming from the opposing side after such a serious criminal trial. What a woman. I know. Seriously, like... She hadn't said anything at that point. I would have told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> she hadn't spoken to anybody. I know, yeah. She was she was mute throughout the whole thing. So, after her acquittal, Nora Wall was asked by journalist Kevin Moore what she planned to do with the rest of her life. She said, Well, I suppose to be practical and realistic, people at my age are taking early retirement and being made redundant. And you know, what employer wants a person like me? They will ask what you have done for the last three years. I signed on twice a day at a guard station, had 32 court appearances, had a six day trial in the Central Criminal Court, four days of a life sentence in Mountjoy. Fuck. You know, what employer wants that? Wall described how she felt after she was arrested. She said, I could not understand what they were saying to me at first. When they said rape, I said that I was never raped and it did not make sense. Then they said it happened in St. Michael's in Colcium and it still didn't make sense to me. And then they said Regina Walsh and I was still turning around in my head how this could be. And then they mentioned Paul McCabe. That did not make sense to me at all. And then when they told me what was supposed to have happened, I said, look, I could not think like that. Never mind, do a thing like that. It was a full 11 months afterwards, 11 months afterwards that I got the book of evidence. On her treatment by the, by the garden wall stated, well, they could have been nicer to me verbally. I went on a bus to Knock and I booked a B&B the next day. And the next day I walked around Knock and went to Mass. I went into the Blessed Sacrament Church and I read the book of evidence in there. And after reading it, I was very much at peace with myself. I wrote to my brothers and sisters and I remember to use the four Ds. That I can't defend, deny, discuss or debate. I have no ill feelings against Regina and Patricia. The religious affairs journalist Brenda Breda O'Brien wrote, It would be easy to demonise the two young women, but Nora Wall have no, will have none of it. 
Regina Walsh had spent time in St. Declan's psychiatric unit after a suicide attempt immediately prior to making the allegations. Regina and Patricia were vulnerable people. She maintained, and she in particular commends Patricia for having the courage to eventually admit that she had lied. She reared Patricia since 13 months of age, and after the miscarriage of justice was declared, Nora extended her hand to Patricia and told her that she was still her first baby. Oh, fuck, man. That is so dark. Which caused Patricia to fall into her arms and cry uncontrollably. Uh, Nora Wall is still alive. Good woman, Nora. And she currently lives in an apartment on the grounds of Kuhn Mirror, which is an narcotic and alcoholic rehabilitation centre, which is just outside the town of Athai in County Kildare. Does she work? Does she work for them or do work for them? There's no information. Maybe she does, because that sounds like something she would do. That's something she does. Yeah. Unfortunately, Paul passed away and lived a very troubled life. So he spent time, he had, he, he continued on in his alcoholism. He spent time in and out of homelessness. He spent time in and out of homeless shelters and hostels and group homes. And eventually he had a stroke. And then eventually he passed away. Jesus Christ. Um, The other thing is that terrible article written about her where they said that she'd worked with that paedophile. Yeah. She took them to court. God, I was going to say, did she? I was going to ask you, did she do that? She won £175,000. Yes, girl. And it was like nothing was said about the fact that they printed this. Did they uh, print a retraction or an apology at all? A very small one. They're like at the very end. Oh, sorry about that. That's what they always do. You know the tiny ones, little teeny column. tiny ones, teeny tiny little column. Yeah, because that is. See, they thought that they could do that because obviously they fucked it because they didn't know she was going to get released. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we can say whatever we want now. Um, the grace of this woman is astonishing. Astonishing. The grace, because I don't know if I could have that grace. In fact, I know I couldn't have that grace. I know I couldn't. Um, the fact that she like. But you know, you have to understand. There's a part of me that's like. She understands because she worked in these places and she saw how these children were treated and she saw how they were reared and she saw how they lacked and they didn't have and they were so damaged, a lot of them. So I'd say that her grace comes from that as well. Like her understanding of the situation comes from that. But at the same time, uh, they tried to ruin her life. Yeah, tried to ruin her life. You know, and it's so it's such such an odd case because this is usually when you hear about rape or abuse or molestation, it's usually people in the comments of a to it Instagram section being like, yeah, well, people lie, don't they? People make things up. That doesn't mean that they did it or whatever. And unfortunately, in this case, that is what happened. Yeah, and I kind of, when I, I, I started this one ages ago, and that's why I said to you today, I'll get it done. Yeah. I, t- like, I tied up being, like, ugh, covering it, you know, not all men. No, but you have to cover these things. Like you, we can't, we can't but sit here and not cover this because it at was the same two women time, those her. two girls were so incredible. Like that girl had attempted suicide. Yeah, was in a psychiatric hospital, yeah. and then walked into a police station, gave a statement, mm-hmm. and then said. Oh, and that I was, it was twice. Yeah. And they were the exact same. same thing. Word for word. Word for word. Yeah. And then when the police went back to her to be like, well, hang on, he actually has an alibi for those dates. Yeah. And like, and he wasn't there. He was not there. He could not have been yeah. there. She was like, oh, yeah, no, I'll change it. And then her, 
witness who also at this time is currently in court saying another man had raped her yeah. and that had been completely taken, like essentially quashed, quashed. and being like, this, yeah. is, this didn't happen. Is like, oh yeah, no, this happened here. Yeah. I walked in on it. They didn't stop. Yeah. Nothing else happened. Yeah. Again, the only difference is that she mixed up the timings. Yeah. She was like, there was months, not years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everything else is the exact same. Yeah. And the police didn't go, oh, maybe we should like, Maybe we should look into this a little bit more. Yeah. But as I said, it's the same thing that happened in Grange Gorman. With regards, not the same thing, but the same idea of a mentally ill person giving a statement that the police pretty much coerced out of them. And then it was like, right, well, we're just going to go with this. And then it had to be, you know, put to them. No, well, he can't have done that. Mm. So then all of a sudden they changed their minds. But it is, it's lack of police, correct policing, first and foremost, with a lot of these cases I will always believe women. I will always believe women because to be perfectly honest with you, I'd rather believe a woman than believe a rapist. Oh, That's you know, my 100%. thing with this. I will always I, believe whenever women. It, it, like when I was reading the case, it never was the thing where it was like, oh, they're fucking lying. My thing was like, oh, there's something really wrong Yeah, and here. The, I, once again, Nora's grace to say, I understand why this happened, even though it happened to her, mm. even though her life was potentially destroyed because of it. For her to say, I don't want these women condemned. I don't want them vilified because I understand why this happened. Because as I said, she worked in those places. Yeah. She saw the damage that was done to these people. Um, Obviously, that's no excuse for lying about rape. That's not what I'm saying. But just out of all of this, the only thing that really catches me is her grace. Like yeah, her she's, grace a remarkable human being to be able to say, I'm going to stand by my vows and I will forgive. Um, You know, it's, it's an incredibly, I, I listened, I've read about this and listened to podcasts on it before. And um, I found it very difficult to kind of quantify in my brain, the whole thing. I just found it very, very difficult. I, I didn't understand. And as well as that, it's rare. This is a rare case of a woman being cu- accused of rape. So fucking rare. It's so rare. It does happen. And you can't ignore it when it does happen mm. because that's not how the world works. You can't no. just be like, right, we're not going to talk about that because a woman did it. Uh, no, that's not how it works. Um, but yeah, just, I, I hope Nora's doing well so do and looking after herself. And it's very sad about that gentleman, but obviously like just his mental health history and the alcoholism and stuff, man, it's fucking dark. Anything to do with these industrial homes, these fucking, uh, places where children are dragged up. Mm. dragged up they're just abused from the day they step inside them it's like the fuck do you do with that we've we created a a thing in this country where we're just creating damaged people setting them out into the world and then when something bad happens going oh i can't believe that happened you can't Mm. my grandfather was um i'm nearly sure it's the artane one and my uncle's friend was going to be a brother Mm -hmm. like he was going to go into the order yeah and he says that my grandfather took him aside oh, yeah, and told him something. Yeah. I don't know what he told him. No I one can does. only fucking imagine. And it was about his time in the industrial home. And that he was like, oh, I, I'm I not want, doing that. He was like, I don't want to do that. I'd say my grandfather probably told him something along the lines of like, you're going to be indoctrinated. Because like, that's the thing. Remember that terrible, fucking horrific documentary? But that priest, the one that won the Oscar? Yeah, it's Father Brendan Smith. Father Brendan Smith. Yeah. Like, 
where he was like, oh, when I became a priest and went into the Brotherhood, sure they molested me. Yeah. And he was like, that's... And that doesn't in any way... But it almost became part of their job. But that's what my... Like, that's what that guy was it saying just, that my grandfather yeah, was pretty it became, much like... It became part of like, their job. And if it's, it's not even that... He was like, it's not even that it's part of your job. It's like, you just have to, like, turn a blind, blind eye. This country is so damaged. Like, if you sat down and thought about it too much, I swear to God, you wouldn't fucking get up in the mornings. What we have done to generations of people and the problem is it happens to somebody and then they carry it on to the next generation and that generation carries it on to the next generation so the damage doesn't end no like could you imagine now a kid the idea of your child being sent to a school where they are just abused from dusk to dawn yeah like if there's if you if if a teacher put their hands anywhere near your child but there's like, and do you know what is, I mean? They were sent there in a lot of cases because you were poor, poor, or they were unruly, or maybe it's because you had seventeen children. Yeah, you were living and couldn't your do Catholic anything life. with them because we wouldn't allow people to have work, have contraception, and men were raping their wives. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it's almost like it's a fucking cause and effect situation. Like the whole thing is so fucked, man. Everything these fucking whenever we talk about these like schools, I just. Oh, yeah, it's hard. I fucking hate it so much. I hate cunts. I hate the brothers, like Christian brothers, and all fucking suck a dick. I hate them like just a bunch of fucking child molesters hanging out together. Yeah, having a gay old time. Like, like it's fucked, man. The, like, yeah. Anyway, that's the story. Thank you so much for telling it, Sarah Jane. I actually think it's quite important to talk about these things because I never, we never want to come across as the type of people that are just ignoring it because a fucking woman did it. That's yeah. not how it works. <coughs> We've talked about plenty of women who've done plenty of fucked up shit. Um, yeah ma yeah no Carla <laughs> you're a saint um, but yeah no that was a lot yeah I think it's uh, if you get a chance uh, I think there's a book actually I can't remember the name of it but if you type Nora Wall in with book you'll find it um, that someone wrote about it I, I saw it a long time ago in a bookshop and I didn't pick it up um, but yeah there is um, we will be back next week yeah we're more terrible the chosen one and we'll let you know uh, on social media uh, I still haven't gotten a response back about what time the doors are opening at and what time the show is on at but I'm just waiting for a response back from Aiken as soon as they give it to me I will let you know because it is not on the Ticketmaster website oh for some reason a lovely person emailed about it so is it on the tickets? no they don't have they just have 8pm but it doesn't say doors 8pm or anything else it just says 8pm but I'm going to email Aiken again ask them I'll let you know as soon as I can on all our social media Sarah can put it up on Facebook and Twitter and or Colin and I'll put it up on Instagram but um, yeah we'll be back next week say goodbye to all the lovely people goodbye everybody happy Christmas here's the chosen one Colin watch out upon this altar Have you heard the news?